All right, you may be seated this morning. Thank you so much once again for being here uh, on this one of the last few Sundays before uh, summer kind of ends and school begins. And uh, I know every parent is probably counting down the days like, yeah, school, come on, let's go. Can't get here fast enough. And the kids and teens are all like, ah, oh, slow down, let it go on forever. So uh, I know we are in a little bit of a mixture of emotions about all of this, but uh, I'm so thankful that whether it's summer, whether it's the fall or the school year, uh, we can be in God's house, we can worship Him. And so I'm excited that you are here. I'm excited to be here. And, uh, and if you have your Bibles, open to James chapter number 3. James chapter number three. We're going to continue our series on genuine Christianity. But before we jump into that, I do, I forgot to say this last week, and I really do want to, want to just mention it. Uh, I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor uh, Santiago Curling that came and uh, spoke a few weeks ago when I was out. Uh, he brought a great message of boasting in Christ alone uh, from Galatians, I think it was chapter six, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was a blessing to me. If you did not get to hear that, go back on our YouTube channel and you can listen to it. It was a great message. And then Pastor John brought a great message the week after on what to do in seasons of chaos. With uh, uh, He brought it out of the book of Acts and talking about what Paul did in his life and some truths that were drawn out from that. And, uh, and I know those messages were a blessing to you. So uh, if you did, I mean, to, to those that were here, and if you did not get to hear that message, I want to encourage you, go back, listen to those messages. They were, they were awesome, awesome messages. Well, this morning, as I said, we're going to continue our study on, uh, the, in the book of James on genuine Christianity, uh, making sure that our faith is real, all right? Not something we just talk about, but something that we actually live out, something that others can see in us. And so the whole book of James is really on how do we do that in a practical way? How do we live our faith in a very practical way? And uh, we said that in chapter one, we learned about the perspective of faith and how faith should affect the way we look at things. Our perspective on life should flow through the lens of faith. And then in chapter two, we learned that faith should affect the way we practice in our life, all right? What we do, it should, it should affect the actions that we take, right? And in chapter 3, we started it last week, and we said that this uh, chapter really focuses on the power of our faith, that our faith gives power, not because of who we are, but because of what the faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It is the power of God. And the way that we share that power, the way that that power is manifested is by our speech. That's why Paul, I'm Paul, James here in the book of, of, uh, of James, he focuses on this chapter on the tongue. It is that, that small muscle that's only about three inches long. We said that last week, but it affects so much, right? It does so much. And and it affects the way we communicate. If we didn't have a tongue, we would, not be, we would not be able to communicate and share that power of our faith. And so it is a very important member of our body, but it is one that uh, is not so easily controlled. It is one that uh, really uh, can be very consequential in our life. It can really either reflect the power of our faith to others or the lack of power of our faith. To others, And so that's why James spends quite a bit of time in, uh, in this chapter talking about the tongue. And so we're going to continue the study starting in verse number five this morning. And let me just say as a matter of introduction, James is going to jump into this part of the passage and he's going to remind us that our biggest challenge is to control our smallest member, right? Our biggest challenge, and I don't mean the smallest church member, I'm talking about the member that we call the tongue, all right? Our, uh, our words, our mouth, what we say. The biggest challenge in a Christian's life is just controlling that, all right? Being able to express uh, that, uh, the, the words that God would have us to share, it's, it's a very big challenge controlling our tongue. And so, uh, James, in, in verse number 5, we're going to read from verse number 5 down to verse number 12. And James is going to talk to us a little bit about the nature of our tongue. What makes it so hard to control? 
Well, why is it that people say what they say? Why is it that so many times our tongue can be so destructive? Why is that? Well, James is going to talk about that. So uh, why don't we start in verse number five as James teaches us a little bit about the nature of the tongue. Look at verse number five. It says this, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. All of that is a description of what the nature of our tongue is. So this morning we're going to do a lot of what uh, one of, I don't know, it's like one of my favorite, but it is a great classical Disney movie. Uh, we're going to follow the example of the evil queen Maleficent. Do y'all remember that movie? You know what movie I'm talking about? I think it's Snow White, right? And the Seven Dwarfs. And Maleficent, the evil queen, if you remember near the beginning of the movie, she has this magic mirror right? And she goes and she has it in her room and she gets and stands before the, this magic mirror and she summons the slave of the magic mirror and she says those famous words that we all know, magic mirror on the wall, who, who is the one fairest of all, right? And, and, the, and the mirror in that looks at Maleficent and tells her, well, it is no longer you who are the fairest of all, but there is another one, and it's Snow White, and from there, the story really begins. From there, upon hearing that, the evil queen wants to uh, find where Snow White is, and out of jealousy and envy, wants to end Snow White's life, right? Well, this morning, we're not going to try to end anyone's life, okay? We're not going to search for them to, you know, kill them. What we want to do, though, is take the mirror of God's Word and say, God, what do you have to say about the tongue? What is the true nature of our tongue? And this morning, I want to share with you four truths about the nature of our tongue that James teaches us in these verses between 5 and verse number 12. But before we do that, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to be with us as we study His Word. Father, this morning, I thank you for allowing us to be here in your house. I thank you for uh, the fact that Pastor James is one that is so focused on how we can make our, our faith something genuine and real, something that we live out every day, something that really impacts not only our life, but the life of others. And so, Father, as we jump into these truths this morning on the true nature of our tongue, I pray that you would, first of all, give us understanding. Your word teaches that by your Holy Spirit, we can understand what your word teaches. And so I pray and ask that your spirit would lead and guide us in understanding more of your word. I pray that your spirit would fill me this morning, that I might be able to uh, communicate the message that you've laid on my heart, and that uh, as, we, as we study your word, we would see it as what it is and what you have written, what you challenge us uh, to be and to do. And to understand these truths in a way that not only leaves us with some knowledge, but with something that we can apply in our life. And so, Father, we, we need of you today. We ask you to be with us, be with every heart uh, here in this service, be with every person that might be tuning in through the live stream. I pray that this time would be a time that is profitable in which we can grow and be edified by the preaching of your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The nature of our tongue. I want you to notice that first of all, there in your notes, we see that James talks about the destructive nature 
of the tongue. In verse number five, he kind of introduces us once again and telling us and reminding us that, yes, the tongue is a little member, but wow, it boasts a lot of things. It says a lot of things. It thinks very highly of itself. And it says, and it's like a fire. It, it can kindle and do a lot of damage. And the first thing that James really describes about the nature of our tongue is the fact that it is destructive. It is a destructive thing. It is something that not only can be prideful in what it says, but it can be destructive in the effects that it has on people, the effects that it has on our life and in the lives of others. In fact, it's almost kind of like a, a stick of dynamite, right? A stick of dynamite, well, I'm, I'm not really seeing one literally, but I've seen them in movies, right? And, and I know dynamite's only maybe, you know, the stick's only maybe a foot long or so, maybe a foot and a half, and, and yet you light that dynamite uh, stick uh, with a with a spark there or with a flame, and it starts to eat the wick. And if you don't get it out of your hands, it will blow you up. It is very destructive, something this big, but yet it can explode rocks, cement. I mean, it can do a lot of damage. And James says, you know, the nature of our tongue is that way. Yeah, very small, but man, can it be destructive. And one of the reasons that it is so destructive, James says in verse number six, is because it is depraved. Look what he says in verse number six. He says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue in its depravity has the power to destroy in a great way. Just like a, a spark can create a large forest fire and, and really destroy the trees in a forest, he says the tongue does the same thing. It is so destructive because it is so depraved. It's the, the world. It's a world of iniquity. And uh, if we had to translate it literally, uh, the, the word there for world is cosmos, the Greek word cosmos. And, and what it's talking about isn't like the physical world. It's talking about just the idea, the whole realm of that which is evil can be used by your mouth. In other words, all that uh, we would describe as wicked and evil is something that can be done and spoken with our tongue with the smallest member of our body. We can, we can have that kind of, 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 of power. In fact, it, it's amazing, that kind of destructive power. You know, uh, with our mouth, we can tell a lie, right? We can, we can tell some lies, and, and that can destroy the reputation of a person. If we allow our tongue to be destructive, we can begin to gossip, and that'll, that'll just destroy the character of a person. If we're not careful, our, our tongue can be so destructive that we can begin to uh, make fun and deride a person, and that can kill their spirit. I mean, it's amazing. That's why Proverbs chapter 16, I put this in your notes, Proverbs 16, 27 says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. He's destructive, in other words, with what he says. An ungodly man doesn't doesn't understand that the nature of his tongue is something very destructive. It brings a lot of harm. And this morning, James is saying you have to be aware that the tongue's nature is something that is depraved. It is something that uh, can co corrupt uh, you and, 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 and me in our life. It, it's just, it's depraved. All, all of uh, sin's envy, all of that hatred, man, it can be found in, in what we say and how we use our mouth. He says, so the nature of the tongue is destructive because it's depraved. Number two, because it defiles. Notice in verse number six, he continues. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. Now, the Greek word here for defiled is spilao, and it literally means a, a spot or a stain. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like having stains on my clothes, right? Usually... If you're leaving the house, whether it's for work or whether it's coming to church, and you get like a little coffee stain on your dress or on your shirt, what do we do? We don't say, ah, it's not a big deal. Nobody's going to see. No. We're still at home. We're like, oh, no. And we just go right back to the closet and change our shirts because we don't, we don't like having stains. We don't like having spots. It looks, looks terrible. That's not, that's not how you want to present yourself. And here's what James says about the tongue. He says, listen, it's, it's destructive because it can leave stains on you. 
It can leave you in a way that really is defiling you. It can make a good work of none effect because it defiles even your good works. That's why I love what Jesus said. Mark chapter uh, chapter 7, there in your notes, verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering him can defile him. Jesus is saying, look, you, you can eat fajita. It's not going to defile you. It may not be healthy. It may not, uh, it may not uh, you know, uh, be something that if you're on a diet, you should be eating. He said, but, but it doesn't defile you. But he says, notice, what does defile you? He says, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile a man. He said, what you eat, you know what? Yeah, could it, could it hurt your health? Yes. Could it be destructive? Sure. But it's not nearly as destructive as what you say. That can defile who you are. It defiles not just the outward. It defiles the inward. It'll defile your heart, your intentions, and your thoughts. It'll defile your soul. James says, be careful. Understand the nature of our tongue, the nature of what we talk about uh, naturally, right? What we want to be, what we want to do without God's presence in our life, without God's power in our life. What we are in and of ourselves is destructive with what we talk about because our tongue is depraved and our tongue defiles. It leaves a stain. It contaminates everything. It makes things messy and ugly. Then I want you to notice the third thing he says about the tongue. He says it's destructive because it's depraved. It's destructive because it defiles you, but it's destructive because it's also diabolical. Notice, look at uh, what it says there at the end of verse number 6. He says, it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Now, let me just break this down real quick. The course of nature literally means every activity of life. Uh, the word uh, course there is the Greek word trakos, and it, it literally means wheel, right? But that's kind of an idiom that the Greeks would say, the, the wheel of life, all right? Uh, what we would translate today might be better as the circumstances of life, the situations of life. He said, you got to be careful because your, your tongue is so destructive, it affects every situation in life. It doesn't just affect you like it does. It defiles, that's personal. It defiles you. It defiles your character. It can defile uh, your heart and your mind. Yes, but it goes beyond that. It's so destructive, it's diabolical in the fact that it will affect even the situations and circumstances that you come uh, into contact with in life. In other words, the destructiveness of our, of our tongue can affect your marriage. It can affect your friendships. It can affect your job. <clears throat> it can affect your homes. That's how destructive it is. It affects everything in the circle of life, the wheel of life, the course of nature. That's how destructive the tongue can be. In fact, I love Psalm 39 because David was one that had been talked about a lot. Uh, David was a man that in his early years was known as a man after God's own heart. And King Saul, who was the first king of Israel when he found out his son Jonathan was not going to be the next king, but that God had chosen David to be the next king. Well, he wasn't happy with that. And he, of course, pursued David. He wanted to kill David because of that reason. And, and suddenly, being a man that was wanted by the, the police, by the government of his day, there was a lot of people that began to turn on David. Those that used to be his friends were now turning on him and uh, speaking uh, destructively about him. And, and so David, being in this situation, knew the power of the tongue and how destructive it could be. And in Psalm 39, he says this. He said, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good. My sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. In other words, David is saying, people were talking bad at me, and I, I just I had to tell myself, hey, don't respond in kind. 
Uh, he, he, had to, he had to kind of remind himself, hey, I, I, I had to, to take heed. In other words, I got to be cautioned about the way I'm going to handle this. And I have to remind my mouth, hey, be careful with what you say to people when they are accusing you falsely or when they're doing something harmful to you or they've said this about you on social media. He said, be careful how you answer. He said, I got to remind myself of that. Now, he didn't have social media back then, but you understand he was still hearing what was going on. And he said to himself, listen, I got I to be careful with that. And, and the way that he was going to try to bridle his tongue is found in the next two verses, verse 4 and 5. He says, so then I spake with my tongue, and I said, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth and mine age as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. He said, think about this. He said, you know how I can somehow control my tongue in that situation? You know I'm going to bridle it? He's just remember, look, if someone else is saying this, just remember, they're just like me. He was saying, you know, I, I, I have to remember, listen, I'm frail. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I've said things about other people. Sometimes I haven't controlled my tongue. I have to realize, listen, this is fallen people. I think there's a saying in English that says, hurting people hurt people. Sometimes in a state of just maybe discouragement, we might say something unkind. In a state of frustration, we might answer our wife or our children in a way that we know is not godly. And David is saying, I, I got to remember, even I'm not perfect. He said, and, and I got to just get my mind to focus on the one who is. You know, God, you're perfect. And in your, in your perfection, you and in your holiness, you could answer me roughly. You could answer me directly. And yet you don't do it that way. If there's anyone that should be able to say to us right to our face who we really are, it's God. And yet he does it in such a loving way. It was said of Jesus when he was here on this earth that he was full of grace and truth. Yeah, he was honest with us like the magic mirror in Snow White, but he did it with such grace lovingly and gently and david says you know how i i control that tongue that is depraved and that tongue that can defile me and that that tongue that is seriously diabolical he said by thinking on the lord man there, there's just something about that david's psalm reminds us of that and james is teaching us that listen understand the nature of your tongue it is so destructive. It can, it can harm uh, you. It can harm others. This idea of jealousy, of gossip, of envy, of murder, you know what? That's straight out, according to James here, it's straight out of the pit of hell. And yet our mouth repeats it. That's why. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. In your faith, we share the power of God. Because we do that, be careful how you use your tongue. Because it can be destructed by being so depraved and defiled and diabolical. Reminds me of a story of <clears throat> four guys that were getting together. Uh, and they were, they were these four pastors and they were getting together for lunch and getting to know one another. And after a, a few times of doing this, they decided, hey, why don't we, um, we kind of share our weaknesses uh, with one another, and, and that way maybe we can kind of, I don't know, pray for one another or at least be there for one another. And so uh, the first pastor said, listen, I, I got to confess then to you guys that my weakness is I'm a, I'm a kleptomaniac. I mean, I steal everything. And he said, I, I try not to steal the big things, you know. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, stealing like toothbrushes and things like that. They're not really big, but nonetheless, I know it's wrong. And, uh, and that's just my biggest weakness. I, I try not to steal, but that is. The second guy, a pastor, hears him and says, well, uh, pastor, I, 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 I can understand that. I, I also have a weakness. In fact, my, my weakness is I'm an alcoholic. He said, nobody really knows it. I, I do it only when I'm at home alone, and I know that I can get drunk, and, and nobody's going to know about it, and it's, it's just been my greatest weakness, and I'm 
I'm trying to overcome that. And he said, I'm, I'm so sorry, but just got to share that with you guys. The third man said, well, if I have to confess what my weakness is, I, I have to confess that it's women. In fact, I've, I've tried my best to be as faithful, but to be honest with you guys, I haven't been really faithful as a husband. I've, I've had various affairs, and, and really, nobody's really found out yet, but man, that's just one of the, the weaknesses that I have, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really love my wife more and just be, be much more faithful. And then, of course, all three of them turned to the last guy wondering, what's his secret sin going to be? And the fourth guy looked at, the pastor looked at them, he said, I got to confess, I don't really have a weakness of alcohol. I, I really don't have a weakness with women. I, I really don't have a weakness of stealing or doing anything like that. He said, my biggest weakness is it's gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> you know, the tongue can be so destructive. It can be so, so destructive because it's depraved and defiled and diabolical. Just having that weakness can really destroy friendships. It can destroy everything. James says, remember that the nature of our tongue is destructive. Secondly, he says, notice the undomesticated nature of the tongue. Verse 7 says, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. James is quick to point out that when we look at the power of man over the animal kingdom, there's no animal that we haven't tamed or conquered. I mean, it's amazing. You can go to a, a circus and you can see elephants get, off and get up on two legs and sit on a little stool and do all these things. And you see tigers and lions, these wild, ferocious animals, and, and, and they're tamed. They, they'll do and perform tricks or do whatever that the uh, circus is doing or, or whatever that the show requires. And, and we can see how man does that. Uh, we, we were uh, on vacation recently, went to SeaWorld, and, and you can see these killer whales, and they'll, they'll jump at the right time when the music's playing, and they'll do all kinds of flips and splash the water, and, it, and it's amazing how much that we can control as mankind of different wild animals. But James says, but you know, that little three-inch tongue of ours, no man's been able to tame. That one hasn't been domesticated. It hasn't been put under control. In fact, you'll find that the tongue is something that is lawless. In verse number 8, he says it's an unruly evil. In other words, even the most disciplined and determined person cannot control the tongue. It acts without any kind of constraints. It says things that it later regrets. In moments of rage, it condemns and judges without having understanding or allowing space for understanding. It, it believes it can get away with anything by saying just anything. That's how natural our mouth is, how uncontrollable it is. And that's why when I say, man, we've all said something that we've regretted, there's nobody in here who goes, oh, I've never regretted anything I said. We all have told our parents something that we wish we hadn't, answered them in an ugly way. We told a friend something. We answered a co-worker in a way. We, we, we all have had those experiences. So when I'm telling you that the tongue is lawless, you're, you're not looking at me like, oh, what is he talking about? We, we know. It's so hard to control that. Because for some reason, our mouth thinks that it can say whatever it wants and no consequences. In Psalm chapter 59, that's what the psalmist said in verse number 7. He's talking about those that don't control their mouths. He said, behold, they belch out with their mouth. In other words, they say words with their mouth. They say things and says swords are in their lips. For who, say they, doth hear? You know? But what? what? Who, who's going to hear them? Who, what does it matter? Who cares? Who, no, nothing's going to happen. No, no one's going to hear this. It's going to be fine. And... The reality is that James says here, understand, it's not controllable because it's, it's lawless, this tongue of ours. But not only is it lawless, it's lethal. He says at the end of verse number 8, not only is it an unruly evil, something we just can't control, has no laws, but it's full of deadly poison. It is so lethal. It's poisonous in its effects. The power of the tongue to kill a person's spirit or to take away hope or to leave one in depression is very, very real. Something that 
honestly, because of social media and because of digital media itself, we've seen this play over and over again in our schools, have we not? Bullying is something that does happen. And many times bullying is done with the mouth. At least that's where it starts. Sometimes it can go, of course, to physical harm that is done to children, but, but it starts in the mouth. It starts with making fun. It starts with deriding. It starts with all kinds of things because our mouth can be very, very lethal, full of deadly poison. That's why it's amazing when Jesus, giving the Sermon on the Mount, says this, Matthew 5, it's there in your notes. He says, but I say, Jesus, Jesus talking, he says, but I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Jesus is saying, listen, what you say is serious lethal. The Bible says we're going to give an account for every word that comes out of our mouth. In other words, God takes serious what we talk about. God takes serious what we say. God takes serious what we share. God takes serious this little thing called the tongue. So James says, understand this about your mouth. Understand this about my mouth. It's destructive. It's undomesticated. That means it's lawless and it's lethal. But notice this. He says it's also hypocritical in nature. <laughs> it's hypocritical. Look at verse number 9. He says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith bless we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. James shares that our tongue can be used to say things that are so contradictory, right? Yeah, it, it can, it can u- be used to bless God, and out of the same mouth, we can curse people. You see, one of the uh, aspects of the hypocritical nature of our tongue is that it blesses and it curses. Now, there's nothing wrong with praising God. In fact, the Bible says that every, that every mouth praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we ought to have a, a, a mouth that is full of praises and glorifying God. Yes, we ought to do that. The Bible commands that. It teaches that. But the problem is this. The problem is that we can do that and then go home and curse out our children. We can do that and then in the very next breath do something that is totally opposite of what God has commanded to do. We can in one instance and in one moment obey the word of God and in the next disobey. And this is why James is hitting this so hard because he's saying, listen, I'm just saying, how, how do you live your faith? How do you, how do you know if it's something real? Or how do, you, how do you see if the faith of someone else is real? Well, what are they talking about? In chapter 1, he said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In your perspective, listen, you can't be double-minded. You've got to either believe what God has said and follow that, or you're going to believe the world and follow them, but you, you can't be both. Or you're going to be unstable. You're going to be shaky on everything you do in life. Now you get to chapter 3, and he says, you know what? A double-minded tongue is also bad. You shouldn't be blessing God here and cursing God there. He said, no, 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 no. Now, your mouth has the power to do that, but it shouldn't do that. That's why later in that sermon, this is what Jesus said. It's in your notes. He says, but let your communication be yea, yea, or nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, watch what you say. Not, not be, I'm this kind of person. This is how I talk at church. This is how I talk at home. This is how I talk at church. This is how I talk at work. It's so sad sometimes to run into people and, and find that people have left a bad testimony for the cause of Christ. 
where they say, oh, I, he goes to your church? Oh, man, well, at work, he's, he's what he says. This is what he talks. He's, he's, this is what he's known for. Man, how terrible is that? The lack of genuine faith, it's a lack of actually living out what God teaches. And James says, be careful. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can do some good works, but if we, with our mouth, we can, we can make all that go away. See, the, the Christian life and real faith isn't just all about works. It's also what we say. In chapter 2, you would think, oh, James is saying what we say doesn't matter. It's all about what we do. No, he said it's important what we do, but let me come back to what we say. That's also important. That, that also is what makes us have real faith or not. I not be double talking all the time. We ought not be like like that little boy that I that I heard about. He was talking with his mom and he said, Mom, I love you. And of course his mom was one that kind of struggled a little bit with self-esteem and, and she said, Oh son, how can you love uh, a mom that is so fat and ugly? And he said, Oh, mom, mom, no. You're not fat and ugly. You're fat and pretty. You know, so many times in our Christian life, that's how we are, right? We're, we're saying things so contradictory. We're saying this about God, and then we're saying this about people. And, and listen, it's just not matching because the faith isn't genuine. James says a genuine faith that's going to have the power of God behind it is one that understands if, if you're not careful and you're not understanding that the nature of your mouth is hypocritical, you'll live a hypocritical life in word, and eventually in deed. So we find that in blesses and curses, we find that it says one thing while we do another. It's the absurdity of the tongue, this hypocritical nature of the tongue. You know, we can boast about being humble. You ever heard that? I'm so proud of my humility. Wow, okay. Sure, okay, right? We can speak loudly about being quiet and meek. <laughs> uh, we can talk about the spiritual life without ever having a spiritual life. You can come to church and say, man, it's so great. God bless you, man. It's good to see you. And act like, oh, yes, yes, this week, man, it's just been a great week. When you know you've never even opened the Bible this week. You didn't even spend five minutes in prayer this week. You didn't even take time to, to sing something to God or glorify God with your mouth. But man, we come here and, it, oh man, we're spiritual giants. Because hey, after all, we're, we're, we're dressing good and we're, we're looking good and we're... James says, let me tell you something about your, your mouth. It, it'll, it'll eventually catch up. There's a hypocritical nature of our mouth. First Corinthians, I put this in there and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 at the church of Corinth, this is what was happening, okay? People were talking one thing while doing another. Uh, there in, in verses 1 through 3, that's what Paul is saying. He says, man, I wanted to teach you some more things. I wanted to give you meat, but I couldn't because y'all feel like, man, we're great. Uh, we know the spiritual life. We have this genuine faith, and, and, and Paul's saying, listen, your, your quote-unquote genuine faith, it, it's all talk. But there's not a lot of anything behind that. <laughs> so James says, just, just be aware of the hypocritical nature of our tongue. It's, it's, it's in its nature, okay, to say one thing and not really be that thing. And then notice lastly this morning the consistent nature of the tongue. There in verse 11 and 12, James speak to, uh, speaks to us about what the tongue really does. You know, if you're not careful, you can fool yourself into believing your own lies, right? You ever talk to someone that believes their own lies? And you go, look, I even know that's not true, but I hope you don't believe that that's true. But we can do that. It's part of what the, the tongue can do. But here's the thing with this. And here's what James 
is teaching. When he, when he says these questions, does the fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my rhythm, bear olive, tree, uh, olive berries and a fig tree uh, or a vine figs? Uh, what he's saying, why is he asking these questions? It's simply, simply to, to, to help us understand that there's a consistent nature of our tongue that will prohibit duplicity. In other words, you can talk about how spiritual you are, but only for a certain time. Before what you really are comes out. That's why he's saying, yeah, can a fountain that has salt water suddenly turn and be uh, sweet? No. Say, if we use our mouth to be salty, eventually everyone will know we're salty. Sometimes we want our salty mouth to sound so sweet, but you can't get away with that for long because our mouth is consistent in what it does. It prohibits duplicity. And secondly, it produces what it is. The tongue will always show what it really has with the words we say and the life we live. Always, always, eventually. Listen, you might, like I said, get away with it for a little while, but you won't get away with it forever. You can only talk so much about this before it's not either reflecting in your life or suddenly you change your talk. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, he says, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. Or the tree is known uh, for the tree is known by his fruit. Then he says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. At some point, who you really are will come out by the words you're saying, by how you use your tongue. Because it's just consistent with what's in here. So if you're a fake, but you want to talk that you have real faith, James says, it won't happen. Just like a fountain with salt water ain't going to produce sweet water. Just like a vine's never going to produce figs. No matter how you water it or what, you know, soil you want to use, it's just not going to do that. Same with our tongue. I love what Pastor Tony Evans, he used this illustration one time. He was talking about two guys that went to dinner and there were two friends and the first friend said, hey, can you take me to, to a restaurant with the best meat in town? The friend said, okay. So he took him to a place that had barbacoa. You know, they, it was tongue, cow tongue, and, uh, and it, it, it cooked it fried and cooked it all different kinds of ways. They had it in salads. They had it in all these things. And, the, you know, the friend uh, that had been invited was a little bit curious. He said, well, I, I did ask for the best meat in, in town, but why, why barbacoa? Why, why you know, the, the meat that is tongue? And he said, well, I mean, what other meat? He said, do you know that can bless you and encourage you and strengthen you and, and edify you? I mean, this is, this is the best meat in town. The friend thought about it. He said, yeah, you're right. That's, okay. He enjoyed the food. He liked it. He ate. The next week, he said, all right, last week we went to the best. Now take me to the worst restaurant with the worst meat. Suddenly, they went back to the same restaurant. And he said, how are you bringing me back to this restaurant? I said, the worst meat in the world. And he said, well... Have you ever heard of another meat that can uh, really curse you and destroy you and remove your dignity and put you in depression? You know any other meat can do that? You're right. This is the worst meat. You know, eventually, what we are comes out. Eventually. Eventually, if you have in your heart that which is good and edifying and strengthening, you'll use your mouth for that because it's consistent in its nature. And if not... Eventually, you will be the bitter one, the gossipy one, the lying one, the jealous one, the envious one, and your mouth will reveal it because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So James says this. We're talking about the power of our faith. Well, that, that begins on what we talk about, how we use our tongue. So he said, just remember this. Number one, your tongue can be very destructive. Number two, Undomesticated, it's uncontrollable. Number three, understand. Understand that when you're using 
that tongue. When you're using that tongue and talking about things, remember that it can be consistent about who you are. It'll be consistent about who you are. But the nature of their tongue is something that, that you need to be aware of. So this morning, very simple what the message is. Just be aware of what your tongue is. Be aware that what it can do. Be aware that it does act hypocritical because we are hypocritical. And that we need to be aware that, hey, I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be described that way. So how do we do that? Let me give you a few applications and we'll be out of here this morning. They're not on the PowerPoint, so you're just, I'll, 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 I'll say them a few times. So if you want to write them down, you can write them down. Some practical applications then. If we know that the tongue is that way, then James, what do you want us to do? Number one, I would say, when it comes to that first point of the destructive nature of the tongue, knowing that it's that way, then purpose in your heart to speak kindly to others and of others. Speak kindly to others and of others. Right? Just make a decision. I'm going to speak kindly to others and of others. Why? Because if I'm not careful, my tongue will be destructive. And the only way I can avoid being destructive is if I'm speaking kindly to others and of others. Number two, when it comes to being undomesticated, lawless, and lethal in nature, make this decision. To be spirit-filled so that God can control your tongue. Be spirit-filled so God can control your tongue. Make that decision. Say, so I'm going to wake up, and before I go to work, I'm going to ask God, God, help me today to be controlled by your spirit. Because I need your help to control my tongue. Why? Because it's crazy. It's lawless. It's lethal. I don't want it to happen. God, help me. Being spirit-filled to help control your tongue. Number three, when it comes to this hypocritical nature of our tongue, make this decision. Let your words be a true and consistent. Let your words be true and consistent. Say, man, the nature of my tongue is to say what I am not. Sometimes I'll joke around with Rochelle and I'll be like, you, you got so lucky with your husband. Wow. How hypocritical is that, right? It's like, Listen, make a decision in all practicality to say, hey, my words need to be true and consistent. Fourthly, when it comes to the nature of our tongue, being consistent or being at least what we are, make this decision that I'm going to be on the inside what I want to be on the outside. I'm going to be on the inside what I want to be on the outside. You say, I, I want people to, to think that I'm kind, then be kind on the inside. Say, God, help my heart to be loving. I want people to, to, to think of me as someone that, you know, really wants to do God's will. Then on the inside, you need to decide, I'm going to live for God and not for me. Because what's on the inside will make its way outside. So I got to decide, God, help me on the inside so that I can control what's coming out of my mouth. Because if I'm not careful... What's consistently inside will come out, and I will, I will talk about it. Why? Why should we apply those truths today? So your faith can be genuine. Whoa. Bottle of water. Don't be scared. I think I was the only one scared. Why do that? To have a walk that's genuine. To experience the power of God in your life. You're going to do that, your tongue. Remember the nature of the tongue. And say, man, I'm going to decide today, God, help me with your help apply some of these truths into my life. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truths that James shares here in this passage. Truths about, really, the nature of what we would talk about if it wasn't for your spirit and who we are without you in life and how dangerous our tongue can be, how destructive. 
I pray that you would help us, Father, to remember that in and of ourselves, there is no hope of controlling our tongue. No man could, could ever do that. Oh, but there is a God that does the impossible. You are a God that does things that we cannot do. So I pray that you would help us be Christians that are genuine in our faith and that genuinely can exhibit the power of God in our life. Exhibit that through the way that we control what we talk about and what we say. Oh, Father, I, I pray that this week we would not let our tongue control us, but that we, by the power of your Spirit, would be able to control our tongue. This morning, quickly, as the piano's playing and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, perhaps you're here this morning and say, hey, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Because that's something that I, I can confess, and I'll be honest, I, I do struggle with what I talk about. Would you just pray for me that God would help me to apply some of those truths that you talked about today? I don't want to be hypocritical with what I talk about. I, I don't want to just let my, my, my mouth go off in certain situations. I, I really don't want to be destructive in other people's lives or in my own life. Would you just pray with me, Pastor, that this week, I can have the Spirit of God help me control what I talk about and how I say things. Would you just pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Would you say, pray for me. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. I see that hands. God bless you all around. God bless you. Father, our hands are raised because, Father, we need your help this week. Help us in our homes. Help us in our jobs. Help us in our relationships to always have a heart that loves others but a mouth that reflects that that we would truly speak of others and to others kindly. And, and that, Father, we would submit to your power every day, that we would not live hypocritical lives, but be consistent and true in what we're saying. Help us to work on the inside, so that on the outside as we speak, it would be something natural and holy and right, something that would reflect you in our life and in our faith. Help us to do that this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.